<clears throat> well, tonight or today, I want you to turn, if you got your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I want to share something that I believe is a, a word that um, we need to hear because, uh, what are you looking for? Oh, it's laying on right over here by mine. Don't pick mine up now. Mine ain't as big as yours. You got that big jumbo phone. First <clears throat> uh, Samuel chapter 17 in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, this is uh, titled Seeing 2020. And, you know, I'm sure that title's never been used in this year. <laughs> I say that in jest. But in 1 Samuel 17, uh, there's something that I saw in, in this story of David and Goliath that, that I thought was interesting. Because the story of David and Goliath, we've known that since we were little kids, most of you. If you grew up in church at all, if you're not familiar with the story of David and Goliath, there was this big, great, big, giant dude, and he was calling out Israel and speaking against them, and then all of a sudden, the shepherd boy, young guy, came in with a rock and a sling and took him out. All right, that's the gist of the story. Y'all know that story. I'm, I'm having a little fun with that because I, I'm, I think that if, if there's one story in the Bible that everybody alive knows that's ever heard a Bible story, they probably know that story. But there's something that's seen here that I think is very important. He says uh, in uh, 1 Samuel, we'll go with verse 16 or chapter 16. And uh, just in, in, we won't read a lot of this, but there was something going on that, that took place in Israel. David, King David, was, had been anointed, but he was shepherd boy David, anointed king, but he didn't get to step into that yet. He, he wasn't getting to experience uh, being a king at this point. He was just simply uh, able to uh, begin to have an idea of what that looked like. But there was something that separated David that was so important is David was out in the, in the, in the fields taking care of the sheep. He, even though he was anointed king, he was not put in that place. It was kind of a secret. Nobody really knew. But God had a plan. And in the midst of all that he was experiencing, there was something amazing about what took place in David's life. Is David connected with God and had that personal relationship with God that enabled him to see things differently. Now, I don't know about you, but... I sometimes, even with all the faith that I have, all the expectations that I have, all the, the glorious things that I've seen God do, the, the times of the last, over well, over my lifetime, that I've seen God come through time after time, if I don't keep my eyes on Jesus in the midst of all the junk going on in this world, it can become overwhelming. And, and I think we got to have a continued focus. And this was what was stirred in me. You know, there's a lot of unrest in this nation, if you hadn't uh, realized that. There's a lot of, of shaking going on. There's a lot of things that are, that are up in the air. There's a lot of questions. But here's the one thing I know, that God didn't fall off the throne. And last time I checked, He was able to carry us through. And that's exactly where I'm, I want us to be and I want us to see 2020. Because, see, in the midst of all this craziness, there'll, there'll be things that will settle in over us like a fog. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today because, you know, the fog is an interesting thing. Fog causes us to not be able to see clearly. It limits what we see. 
Fog is, is something, in fact, I, I read this stat. I've read it before, I think, but I'm gonna, I typed the whole thing out. But um, the Bureau of Standards in Washington tells us that a dense fog covering seven city blocks, so, you know, a sizable area, seven city blocks, 100 feet deep, is comprised of something less than one glass of water. The amount of water is divided up into some 60 million tiny drops. There's not much there, but in that dense fog, you can't see. It doesn't amount to much, but our difficulty, our struggle is our ability to see. See the amount of, or let's see, uh, yet when the, these minute particles settle down over a city or countryside, they blot out practically all vision. A cup full of worry does just about the same thing. Isn't it amazing how a little bit of worry, a little bit of anxiety, seems like a whole lot. Kind of like that fog. Kind of like the same thing with fear. Kind of like the same thing with confusion. Kind of like the same thing as dread. And we're going to go through these different things that are, that are things that fog us or cause us to, to be in a fog. You ever, you ever wake up, you'll hear people say, I'm just in a funk. You know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not feeling right. I, I just, things don't feel right. Well, listen, I, I determined a long time ago when I just chose that I was going to serve God, that I wasn't going to let my feelings rule me. I wasn't going to let my feelings decide how I was going to be. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have to work on getting them in order sometimes. It doesn't mean that during some times that, that things are a little bit foggy, a little bit fuzzy, a little bit challenging. Okay? I'm not saying that, that we're going to be perfect in this, but here's the thing I know, is that the God that we serve is a good, good Father. He's one who provides. See, the tiny, tiny, tiny drop, drops of fretfulness close in around our thoughts and will submerge uh, and, and are submerged without a vision. Now, here's one of the things that I know, that if we get our eyes on the right thing, it's like sunlight and wind. You know, I was thinking about that. What, what dispels that fog? What are we looking for in, in, the fog, in the fog? When does it settle in? It settles in at night. It, it, it settles in, but it can hold on in the day, but it can only hold on for so long. You don't see fog in the middle of the day with the sun's high. You see it early. You see it in the dark time. Or you see it when ju just the, the sun's uh, uh, light is limited. You, and you also see it when there's no wind. And you know what? I just got to thinking about what happened on the day of Pentecost. It said the wind is a sound of wind. See, when, when God shows up, when, when we through the new birth receive the, the things that come with the covenant of, that, that's provided through us, man, we get the, the, the benefits of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Sometimes that's the, like a wind washing away or, or, or clearing out the fog. And we know what the light represents, the light of the gospel, revelation. What do we say when we, when we, when we realize something? We say the light bulb came on. See, when the light bulb of God, when, when the revelation of God comes on, all those things get, get dispelled. So isn't it amazing? Hey, Kevin, they look good to have you. So, so here in, uh, we're going to look at this in, David, again, was going through a time of growth, of development. He, he was going through a time where God was ministering, strengthening him, developing him out there in the wilderness, where all he had to focus on was taking care of his sheep and connecting with God. Oh, well, there was a lion and a bear that came along. A, a little challenge. 
But what did he do? He, he took out the lion and the bear that tried to steal his sheep, but he did it in, in the preparation and the training time. See, here's the thing. 2020 has been a, a crazy year, and it's not over, and I don't think it's going to get over. I, heard, I saw a deal on, on Facebook. I think one of my daughters put it up there. It said, it said uh, uh, note to 2020. I need some terms and conditions before uh, before I agree or something. I don't know something along that line. You know, I, I like 2021. I think it is like when 2021 shows up. I, I I want some changes, right? I want something to be a little bit different. Well, see, here's the thing. I, I've just settled that just like it was in. I remember in 1986 how I was overwhelmed at times. I remember in 19. You know, I don't know. I could go down through all kinds of years and times and challenges and things where we were in in over our heads or or above uh, um, above what we could do. But yet God was faithful. In this verse, and you're, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're wanting me to get there. Let's look at First Samuel chapter seventeen, verse twenty. So sixteen was talking about uh, other things, getting ready for, and David getting ready for uh, stepping into his place and his position. But let's actually let's look at verse eight in John or in First uh, Samuel seventeen. It says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, "Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you are you not the servants?" Of Saul. Now here was uh, D D Goliath. He came out to defy them. But the the thing I want you to see, without reading the whole story, is that Goliath came out, and this was one of the things the Lord showed me. And he determined who they were. I wrote in my Bible, "Don't let others define you." See what did he tell them? He didn't say, you're a servant of the living God. He said, you're a servant of Saul. Did you catch that? What's Saul? A man. He's a king. And he was a big man. They said, they said he, was, he was a great big guy. But he's just a man. See, but I want you to see the difference in how David viewed this in verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock. I'm still in 1 Samuel 17. Left the flock in care of a shepherd and loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. Jesse was his dad. His dad said, hey, take this stuff. Go check on your brothers. He reached the camp as the army was going up or going out to its battle positions and shouting the war cry. Well, they're putting on a good show. They're going out there shouting. They're going, they're, they're, they're going out there, wow, yeah, yeah. And, and they don't really know what they're yelling about, but they're just yelling. They're just hollering. They're doing the war cry, whatever it was. And look at how, how David, it says, Israel and the Philistine were drawing up on the lines facing each other. David left the, his things with the keeper of supply, ran to the battle line, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Now look at that verse 23. See what he said? He came out, and it describes Goliath. It says he was a Philistine champion from Gath. He, he wasn't just, a, just some old boy. He was a champion. So he was their champion. And 
I didn't read it, but I mean, he was like nine foot tall, had all this armor on, trained. I mean, he was big. He was strong. He was, he was something that none of us, no man wanted to go hand to hand with. He was intimidated, intimidating, but it defined him. It said he was a giant. And David heard it. Verse 24 says, whenever the Israelites, now catch this word, saw the man. They all fled from him in great fear. See, they saw him. Now, David heard what they heard, and he's seeing what they see, but he's seeing something different. See, because that's why I circled that word, because what are we seeing when we hear all the reports, when we think about the future, when we view 2020? See, I, I, I refuse to call this the new normal. You know, I, I refuse to, to say that we were going to have to, this, all, this, all this stuff that goes along with all this. I'm not going to get into it a whole lot. But I just, all, all along. See, I don't want to take the words they choose to give me and start putting it in my vocabulary. There, there is such a thing, hey buddy, there is such a thing as uh, uh, what's the, the gaslighting. There you go. Couldn't think of the word. They like to, they like to take a word and, and shape your mind, shape your thinking. And sometimes we, we are not aware, and I'm not getting political here. I, I'm telling you, this isn't just where politics is concerned. This is where our economy is concerned. This is, and, and the devil will love to take and shape your thinking like, like Goliath was shaping their thinking. You're servants of Saul. Come on. He wasn't identifying them with God. I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not just a, a Cronkite. I'm a child of the living God. Amen. That's better. See, that's an inheritance that's even better. And so we come, go on there, there. He said, verse 24 again, he says, When the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, now see, they went from seeing to saying. And, and boy, when you mix those two together, it's a double whammy. See, see what, do you, what do we start hearing in the news media? We'll hear one term, then, then, oh, they'll pick up that little phrase, that little phrase, that little phrase. And then pretty soon you start hearing that over and over again. See, what do you hear when you think about things? Are you hearing the phrases that other people are putting in your head? Or are you going to say, you know what? I really, you know, hey, it can be tough, but my God, but my God. There ought to be a response to any time we begin to get in the fog of uncertainty, fear, anxiety, worry, being overcome, we ought to stand on God's Word. We can take that. Now he says, do you see how this man keeps coming out? The rest of that verse 25. They begin to say, do you see how this man keeps coming out? See, what were they, what were they describing? How he came out? Big, bad, ugly, defying, bold, speaking words against him. He said, he, he comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage, and he will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Sounds like a pretty good deal, but you know what? They were so small in their thinking that the, even that couldn't entice them to be bold enough and willing to step out. Why? Because that was a reward, but they needed confidence and power. They needed boldness. They needed an ability that 
it would only come from being in the presence of God. Because, see, physically there wasn't a match. Physically it wasn't a match. Man, I, I've been there in, in situations where, you know, I wasn't up for the task. I wasn't prepared enough. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able enough. I, I remember when I first went into ministry, I wasn't gifted to do any of this stuff. I wasn't looking to do any of this stuff. I didn't want to do any of this stuff, but I wanted to follow God. And I remember first time we went to the big church over in Arkansas, and I always refer to it as the big church because I've pastored a lot of smaller churches, and by choice uh, uh, most of the time, because, uh, but in that big church when I went, I was all excited because it was new, big opportunity and, you know, all this stuff. And then it began to overwhelm me. And I had to lean back on and rely on, okay, wait a minute, God, you called me. What is your call for me? See, we, we got to look at what is our provision? What God, what have you provided? What do you give me? See, all the thing that, that man could supply still wasn't enough to give them confidence. They couldn't say, whoo. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whoop this giant because I'm going to get to marry the king's daughter. That wasn't enough. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have to have any, pay any taxes. Oh, man, I'm not going to have it. See, they, they had to pay for the benefits of being a, as a part of, of the, the country. He goes on. Then it says in verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, wait a minute. He, this is kind of his deal. I'm, I'm ad-libbing a little bit here, but he says, wait a minute. What would you say? <laughs> say? Say that again. What did you say would be given to the man who kills? Now, here's where it gets interesting. This Philistine. See, he saw what they saw, but he didn't see it the way they saw it. And when he started talking about this situation, he didn't talk like they did. He didn't say, who takes out this giant, this champion? He didn't talk about him the same. He said, this Philistine, you say, well, what's that got to do with anything? He understood something. I serve God. I'm an Israeli. I got a covenant with Almighty God. This chump is a Philistine. That's what he would have said if he was living today. Well, or maybe in the 80s. I don't know. <laughs> if he'd have been a teenager in the 80s, he'd probably said, this, this chump. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, here's the thing. He understood the difference. His approach was entirely different. He said, wait a minute, what's going to be the reward for me taking out this, but keep going here, and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy, notice, the armies of the living God? He said, you guys are armies of the living God. I don't care how trained you are. you got to look at who's behind you, backing you. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them yet because of the new birth hadn't been happened. And in and, and the Old Testament, always refers to God coming upon people. Oh, God came upon David. He came upon Elijah. He came upon Elisha. He came upon all these different men at different times and women at times. But, but God came upon them. But listen, God's Word was working on their behalf. The same back then as it does today. When God's Word was taken hold of, it changed the individual. And see, that's what I, I'm challenging you with, to, to see this year different than what the world sees it. Don't, don't see it the way they see it. Don't say it the way they say it. Begin to ask yourself, God, what can you do? They repeated to him, verse 27, they repeated to him what they were saying. 
this is what uh, this is what will be done for him. Now, as soon as he began to step up and be bold, as soon as God began to, they, he could just tell. Look at how, how he's, he has big brothers, his oldest brother, verse twenty-eight. When Eliab, Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking what with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked him, "What have you come down? Why have you come down here?" And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Say, hey, boy, remember who you are. <laughs> That's kind of the way he's talking to him. Hey, boy, wait, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute, little brother. Wait a minute, little brother. Wait a minute. Who'd you, who'd you leave that, that nominal job, that little thing that you do? See, here's the thing. All the difference was in who he was. All the difference was in what, what was taking place on the inside of him. And, and, and with whom did you leave those sheep? He says, I know who, I know how conceited you are and how, you, how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. I wrote out beside my, in my Bible right there, I wrote, what battle? <laughs> you just came down to watch the battle. See, here's the thing. When we start to trust God and we start to uh, talk contrary to hopelessness and fear and worry and overwhelming and all these other things, and, and we start to put what God has promised us in our mouth, there'll be those that'll come along and say, oh, now you need to just be real. I'll tell you what sometimes we need to be is real, trusting, and real, faithful. We need to be real, full of faith, holding on to the Word of God. Sometimes we just need to be real, bold, and do what God said do, and stand. So in the midst of all this, see, there was a difference. There was a whole, whole different perspective of the way he, he went into it. Um, I think I'm, gonna, I think I'm going to uh, skip the rest of that and get to a few other things. Uh, what, what are types of, uh, of fog that will cloud our vision? You know, the, the number one thing is fear. And, and I'm not going to take a lot of time here, but in 2 Timothy, I do want you to turn over to 2 Timothy 1.7 because see the difference without going in, on into that whole battle of David and Goliath. Uh, I want you to see some other things. I just wanted you to realize that there was a difference in the way that they approached it and the way that, that uh, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 familiar verse to you. I'm sure you've heard this, especially over the amount of time that we've been through this uh, pandemic. But listen, I found, I found this, this uh, verse necessary when I was in sixth grade, going to school, riding a bus, and having bullies waiting for me at the, at the, at the school. I, I remember not, not being in fear. I remember leaving football practice having being picked on uh, by a couple of guys that had flunked a couple of grades. And, and, and they would never, they were, anyway, it was a, it was a deal where I was, I was consumed with fear. And, and so I remember that. And then I, I remember uh, times of, of, of uncertainty in my life, in my ad, adult life. I remember times where we were going through great challenges, great good times. So I needed this. I've needed this verse all my life because fear will put us in a fog oftentimes where we can't seem to see. And so we need to make sure that uh, we got to understand 1 Timothy 1, 7, 2 Timothy 1, 7, sorry. The Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. The, the King James says the, the, uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear. 
This turns that around a little bit, NIV. He says, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid or afraid. But here's what it does do. It gives us power and love and self-discipline. Man, what a change. See, we've got to ask ourselves, if fear is coming on us as a fog, and, and like that fog, what's going to dispel that fog? Power, the power of God. Love, what's love do? It says, casts out all fear. Perfect love does. And then it, then it says, and a sound mind. And we'll get to that in a little bit. I wrote a couple things down here. We just don't, we just don't need, we need to decide that we're not going to prescribe to it, subscribe to it. We're not going to subscribe to fear. We're not going to take that on. We're going to make that choice, decision. See, we've got to quit, quit putting it before our eyes. We've got to be careful not to, not to feed on things that produce fear, that feed on things that, that, that show us the contrary. See, those soldiers had been told they were inundated with, with the hopelessness. When they went to their camps, they talked about how big Goliath was. When they came out to the battle lines, they heard how big Goliath was. They, there, there was all that response. There was all those challenges. And you know what? They had to make a difference, and that's what, or make a change, and that's what we have to do. The other thing I wrote down under, under do not fear or clearing out that fear is don't talk it up. Zip the lip. You know, my dad always said, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. And, you know, there's times, there's some conversations you get into, it ought to be real quiet. Because all they want to talk about is everything that's wrong, everything that's in, in, in every way fearful. And you know what? I challenge you to hold each other accountable. It's one of the things I love about my wife, man. Every once in a while, she just jerks slack out of me. Say, hey, you, boy, you need to quit talking. She doesn't say it exactly like that, but, you know, she's, she says, you, you need to, you need to don't, don't be talking fear. And I do the same thing with her. We, we, we say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like that's the Word of God. That doesn't sound like you're talking in line with the Word of God. See, we need to hold ourselves accountable. I want, one of the things I wanted to get to today, I, th I felt, felt like it was pretty important, is another area of fog is confusion. You know, I felt like the enemy has used that the fear tactic with the, as far as the COVID and all that stuff, that fear just feeding it to us all the time. But the other thing is the confusion because everything changes constantly. People say, well, why don't you, why don't you check the facts? Where are you going to check those? They change all the time. And, and, and there's all these different ideas, all these different opinions, all these different things. Well, see, it, that trickles down not only where COVID is concerned, but where government's concerned. Where, I mean, there, there's just confusion all the time. Well, the Bible says where there's confusion, there's every evil work. See, that's a tactic of the enemy. We need to be careful of, of confusion. But what confusion will think or, or cause when things are uncertain is a lot of times it, it transitions and it partners with fear, but it causes something that, that uh, I begin to look into, and, it's, and the word is dread. We're, we're familiar kind of with that word, but I want to give you the, the just the... Uh, definition out of the uh, uh, dictionary, it's to anticipate with great apprehension or fear. Think about that. That's, that's where they were at on the, on the, on the battle lines. Dread. They were, it was a type of fear, but it was the anticipation, an overwhelming great anticipation or apprehension because of something that might happen. You know, th that, that can get to be a, a load. 
When we begin to think about and try to figure out where's this all going, when's this all going to end, it can begin to be a dread. There's a lot of dread going on over what's going to happen on November 3rd. What's going to happen after November 3rd? What's going to happen if this bunch gets control? What's going to happen if this bunch gets control? And we can sit in dread over all that. And one thing I have to go back to is that I know who God is going to, what God is going to be in control even after the November 3rd. And here's the thing, that God has equipped us and provided us through power, love, and a sound mind to uh, navigate whatever it is. I mean, just to understand something, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be uh, concerned. I'm concerned. That's why I'm going to vote. That's why I'm going to be involved in that process. That's why, that's why I encourage you to consider what is before you on that time. That's important, very important. But at the same time, I'm going to trust that my God's going to carry me through regardless. God is going to take care of us through all and in the midst of that. But that can begin to be an overwhelming thing and, and uh, begin to consume us and begin to limit us and begin to cause us to work, be in a place where we can't see on through that. Well, how do we deal with some of that? Look at 1 Peter. Keep going back towards Revelations. Right after James, 1 Peter. <clears throat> And uh, he says, cast, in verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him. You see, <clears throat> there is a part that we play. I think a lot of times we just, we just pray and then we just expect God just to do everything. And we got to understand we have a part to play. You know, God was delivering Israel. God was providing a way, but somebody had to be willing to step into what God had provided and step into and trust God for who he was. David was that, was that man. But listen, where did God or where did God train David out there in the wilderness? How did, how did David learn who God was and how he could deliver him with the lion and the bear? He, he chose to be out there and be active and be in the midst of those things. But so, so it was easy for him. But for uh, us who sometimes get in that fog or get in that place that is a challenge right here, casting all our anxiety on him. And here's why, because he cares for you. Now, now think about, think about the, the words in that verse. I've, I've taught this many times, but he says cast. What's that mean? To, to throw away. Means to to you know it it'd be like taking having a backpack and just throwing that sucker off. You, you ever be carrying a pack or carrying something and, and you get to where it's going and you just throw that sucker down? It's kind of like carrying a feed sack. You carry a feed sack and you know I mean when you get to where you're going when you're finally there you're ready to get that unloaded you cast that off. You turn that loose. You set that aside. He says, cast off or cast all your anxiety, your worry, your dread, all of those things. Cast that over onto him. I mean, you may have to even get a picture of that. Because some of your anxiety and your care is, is, it's. I mean, you can almost envision it like that feed sack or like that backpack. You're carrying. I mean, it, it's it's it, and it, you can't seem to get it off. See, sometimes you gotta, whoo, man, gotta move around a little bit. Sometimes you shake it off physically. I mean, just picture that. 
getting it off of there. You say, man, preacher, you're kind of wild tonight, this morning. It's all right. See, because here's the thing. I remember times in my life where I was so overwhelmed, so overcome, so under pressure. And listen, I've been doing this ministry thing for 30 years. Raised four kids through, the, through it all. Went through all different kinds of economic things, all different kinds of, 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 of things going on. There's times when, when I'm carrying all my family's stuff and all the church's stuff and all these other stuff and all these other things. And if I didn't know how to do this, it would grind me down. But see, your, your life, you, you experience the same thing. There's times when, when it is overwhelming to you and you got to, you gotta, I mean, there's times when I just kind of, I mean, just, just picture it like physically in my own prayer time. Get off of me. I'm choosing, uh-uh. And then you kind of got to, because I mean, I don't know, when you carry all that junk, it just ties you up in here, and you just kind of, whoo, man, doesn't it feel good sometimes? Y'all might, uh, might not just do that. Just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm on camera looking goofy like that. No, see here, we shake it off, we cast it off. But here's why. Because He cares for you. Now, I think what helps is if you see God Caring for you like the good, good father he is. Like the shepherd he is. Like the, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. He wasn't just some shepherd. He's a good shepherd. What's a good shepherd do? Cares for the sheep. So what's care mean? It doesn't mean, well, I'm, I'm caring for you. doesn't mean he's coming along there patting you on the shoulder. I'll think about you in prayer. I'll remember you. No. Caring means he's there to administer to you Whatever you need. Remember my sermon on I am? He's a, he's a great I am. I think I preached that here. I know I've talked about it here. Either preached it here or Tuesday night. I don't know. I think it blades over into everything. But the great I am. How did Jesus respond when they called out to him? Well, how, did, well, how, did, how many times? I did it on my morning Bible study too. Over and over again in the book of John, you can find where Jesus referred to himself as the I am. And you know what that meant? It meant all sufficient one. Everything. I am whatever you need me to be. See, that's the kind of care. So, listen, it helps to, to cast physically just or, or, or mentally, emotionally, whatever. Get unload the care, the anxiety, because He cares for you. And I think getting that image, that picture of God being that one who cares. Cares as in provides. Cares as in supplies. He's the, what's a, a Hebrews eleven six. 6, he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's that good, good father. So we see him in that, in that light. Now listen, one of the things from that 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy, I keep calling that 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 7, is, the, is God gave us power through the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of His Word, through His covenant, all that He has, the availability to get it done. He also gave us love, which perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love gives us the ability to trust Him. But He also says in a sound mind. Sound mind. One that's clear thinking. One that's able to decipher between things. One that's not in the fog of confusion. One that gives us the ability... To, to walk through those things. So uh, he said he gives us power, love, and a sound mind. 
And, and that's one of the things that will come as a mighty, as we, as we give, uh, as a mighty wind to dispel that fog. He says, uh, if you back up um, in, in verse 6, 1 Peter 5, he says, humble yourself therefore in the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourself. Before we get to that point of casting our anxiety off, we might need to humble ourselves enough to say, you know what, God, I need you. In, in the midst of those times where, I mean, I just, I just kind of get stuff. I mean, I just do stuff. I mean, it's just, just whatever it takes, just, just do it. I don't whine around a whole lot, I guess, is the, is the point I'm trying to make. But you know what? Sometimes in the midst of me just gritting my teeth and deciding I'm going to fight through stuff, I forget to humble myself enough to say, God, I need you. And boy, I'm telling you, that is a powerful place to be. See, David, he wasn't proud. But David was humble enough to say, you know what? I am pretty slick with this, with this uh, slingshot. I'm pretty slick with it, but I need God to help me. Anyway, in that story, he brought all those things to light. Well, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up or, or get ready to wrap this up, kind of start landing the plane, as we say. But one of the things that I think is important to help us do that is to, is to give God that place in our life that we demonstrate the trust for him, in Him. One of the best ways that we can do that is by declaring with our words and our mouth what God's promised and what He's provided. I, 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 would, I would dare you... I challenge you. How about that? That's a better thing. I'll challenge you to take and write down all the things that God has done for you in the, in the past three years. That'd be a pretty long list if you start giving God credit for everything. You, you might could even just go back to the last three months and talk about all the things that God's done for you. What has God done for you? He's, he's, he's provided and begin to recite those things, begin to speak those things, begin to lay those things out. Begin to settle in your mind that I'm going to give God that place of I'm going to give my anxiety, I'm going to give my dread, I'm going to give my concern, I'm going to give my care, and I'm going to trust Him for the sound mind to be able to sort through all this stuff. Every time you get into a fog that, that, that says, how can this be or where's this going? Settle in the fact that, God, I trust you. You're going to order my steps. As we get ready to close, let's just, uh, let's just pray. And if Martha, if you want to come to the piano, and if somebody wants to get the kids to light the candles, we're going to sing, close a song in a minute. But I just want you to give, give you an opportunity to settle in your mind these things we've talked about today. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we just pray, and we just ask you to minister to us in, in, uh, in this message today. And Father God, I pray for everyone in this place and everyone watching online that, that Lord God, if you're at a place, Lord God, I thank you and I praise you that, that if these are, are who are listening to me are at a place where they need to unload their dread, their fear, their anxiety, they need to set aside the fog of confusion, that Lord God, I pray that you bring to their mind every word, every scripture, everything that they know. And then Lord, if they don't know any other, just let them know that you care for them. I pray that everyone would just see a picture of that, laying that stuff aside and taking the, the care 
that God has for us. Father, I pray that you bring your peace, your strength, your encouragement, and we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.